This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 126 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm Ben, back after missing out on a chat with Bubs due to uh, house-related shenanigans. Uh, and I'm joined by Gaz, are you well? Yes, that was easy for you to say, wasn't it, that? It was, yeah, you know, peek behind the curtain, <laughs> that was the second shot at the intro. Um, because Bubs became Buzz, um, as in Buzz Lightyear, I would imagine. Yeah, well, I do actually, um, no, I'm not going to say that because you'll take the piss out of me for about a month. No, but um, you've got a Buzz Lightyear toy, haven't you? I have, and it's it's sat on a shelf. <laughs> Looking at you now, <laughs> to infinity and beyond. Absolutely. <laughs> when I got that, it was one of the best days of my life, and I was in my late 20s. Oh, my God. And I'm have gonna you got send a you a photo for it so you can take it around the garden for a walk? Look, <laughs> I, I am just as pissed off about the cat lead situation as you are, you know, taking the piss. I, I am not a fan. I am not a fan of having a cat on a lead. Um, but it's the wife that has it. So, you know, there we go. Um, and I've just sent you a photograph of the shelf that has the uh, the Buzz Lightyear on it. And it will do nothing to reinforce the opinion that uh, I have the room of a 10-year-old because there are other things on there as well. So, um, but how have you been? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, I've started running. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's utterly bizarre. I always used to take the mick out of anybody that chose to exercise as a recreational pastime. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it just utterly baffled me. Uh, and then the other week, I, I went for a, a walk around the worlds with my mum and uh, Fig. My mum took a photo and I just looked at it. And I thought, Jesus Christ, I am a fat bastard. Um, I, a couple of my T-shirts don't do me a lot of are not particularly flattering over the years. I think they have genuinely got smaller in the wash. And so there was the, the T-shirt was kind of hanging over and I could put my finger up and tickle the bottom of my belly. Um, and that's not how a T-shirt should be. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to cut out the sugary drinks. And then I thought that's not going to be enough, is it? So I went out, got all the gear, bought myself some trainers, got a new strap for me, uh, my, my little Fitbit thing. 
Got some Bluetooth earphones. Got one of those things up that you strap on your arm that put your phone in it. Wore it once. Realised it was gash. Give it to Fee. Um, and I've been running. So, Fair enough. Yeah. So it's uh, overrated. If I'm <laughs> As I say, you, you probably won't catch me running around Bracebridge anytime soon. Um, although we are considering going back to a gym when uh, when you know we've had our, our covid shots so uh, uh, the, the, that shelf has just downloaded wow is that <laughs> lego yep it's uh, it's lego super mario i mean but it's not just one bit is it it's no, loads are, and loads of it there are lots of characters yeah that is, is can... that a doll at the end what where uh, like with green eyeliner and a bob haircut Still uh, next to Batman. That's a <laughs> that's a character. That's uh, Ellie from The Last of Us in a, uh, no, a vinyl. Pl- I was going to say I've played The Last of Us. That's not what she looks like. Yeah, but she's if you'd look behind her, Joel's there, and it's Ellie and Joel in like a pop vinyl figure. Is that is that Sack Boy? Yes, yes, it is. Oh, for <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm just announcing this will be the last episode of the Stacey West podcast. <laughs> Until I can find a grown-up to co-present it. It's my gaming tat shelf. That's not gaming. They're toys. Gaming is like controllers and 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 screens. I, I get that. I get retro gaming. But I, I, do you know what? Actually, each their own. I collect stickers. I've got See? piles of football stickers in front of me. I've got a Ronaldo in my hand, the Cristiano Ronaldo match attacks card, star player from when he was at Manchester United. So I can't really say too much. So should we move on and talk about football instead of about trying to outsad each other? <laughs> well, I was going to say, like the fact that we are able to kind of get what and close to five minutes into the pod and have not touched on any football whatsoever and just took the piss out of each other is kind of it, it's sort of like representative of the week isn't it like it's probably it not was, that listenable though is it well i'm sure people love it you know people people say that they enjoy our irreverent conversations and that's a word that i can say that you can't as people, we established pre, people yeah. say they enjoy running ben but they don't <laughs> People say um, lots of things. Irreverent. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I know you struggled with it beforehand, so we're uh, all good. Yeah, but we weren't on air, were we? So no proof didn't happen. <laughs> Unlike me calling you out on Reedy, by the way, which I will find because I've definitely had that conversation with the other podcast. But yes. But we didn't about... do it at the time because we, we weren't recording the podcast at the time. I'm sure we were. No, we weren't because I went all the way back to episode one to disprove it. Um, and episode one came after uh after the check trade final we started recording the playoff year which was the year after so or which was later i think it was about three games later we started recording the playoff um, year we won the checker trade in the playoff year yeah yeah i mean we started recording just towards the playoffs in the playoff year after the checker trade trust oh, me okay. trust me, i've checked <laughs> but anyway let's let's talk about football because yeah, i mean my anger has subsided at this point over Saturday. I'm over it. It's all fine. I mean, it's not fine, but I'm over it. Um, so Tuesday was uh, it was a real anticlimax of a match. I think um, didn't really expect a huge amount from it. I think the 
the biggest thing was Michael obviously said, you know, there's there's going to be some players that are going to have to prove themselves and audition, if you like, to get in the first team for the playoffs. Um, and I think you summed it up quite well. In that I don't really think there were too many that did. Um, yeah, I, I just, I wasn't that invested on, on Tuesday night. You know, obviously I wasn't as much as it's Lincoln City and I'll sit and watch and, you know, I'll, I'll support my team, but it didn't feel like a, a a big blow when the goal went in and then when the second one went in and then when the third one went in, I was just like, eh, okay, it's fine. It's, you know, we're in the playoffs. It doesn't really matter all that much to me whether we finish third or sixth or any, you know, fourth or fifth. It's, it's just, we're in the playoffs. We've got there now. Let's keep everybody fresh and ready for them. And then, you know, when we go into those games, we can attack them and, and really give whoever it is that we end up facing a real go over two games. Um, I mean, is, is there really too much else to, to put a pin in on, on Tuesday night? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's plenty to talk about. We'd be doing a huge disservice if we didn't go into it a little deeper, Ben, wouldn't we? Um, <laughs> I know that's not what I said off air, but that's exactly. because I'm, you, you've been I'm, yeah, I'm a bit of a cock, that's why. Um, <laughs> people, people, I am when I'm on air. I'm, in real life, I'm, I'm quite a nice person um, at times. But um, no, I, you know, I didn't intend to talk with all with all respect. I didn't intend to talk much about it. But actually, as you spoke there, there were a few points that I think we did ought to pick up on. Um, first of all, you mentioned uh, about some players failing their audition. I, I, I put that in my article. I think there was there was one or two players, um, and, and let's not beat around the bus. There, there was James Jones. There was Harry Anderson. There was there was Anthony Scully. Um, there's a couple of others as well who who who's escaped me at the moment who were essentially auditioning really for. Uh, Callum Morton for a place in the playoffs and they didn't pass that said um, I'm not entirely sure that the players who will definitely play in the playoffs who played um, on on Tuesday night played well so you know it's quite harsh to judge individuals uh, chances on an overall poor team performance you know there is only probably one or two players in this squad who when we've played badly have continued to play well and um, Conor McGrandles is one I think you know George Grant probably when when we had a bit of a a dip after Valentine's Day before Plymouth was playing well when we were not uh, but other than that you know it's tough because James Jones needed a big game. I think Callum Morton needed a big game. Um, Harry and, and, and Anthony Scully, I, I'm not sure would have played anyway. I'm not sure they were actually auditioning. You know, hand on heart, not actually sure James Jones, if he'd scored a hat-trick, got four assists, um, would get into the playoff uh, semi-final team. Um, so call it an audition as much as we want. I think it's just a case of resting a few players and, and you know, hopefully those that were going to be on the subs bench were going to say, you know, I deserve to come on for 10 minutes at the end. They haven't said that. Um, so I also think the game turned when Tom Hopper and Joe Walsh came on, which I think alleviates some of the uh, reaction that I saw, you know, this whole momentum's gone, blah, 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 you know, yeah, usual yeah. reactionary stuff. And um, I think actually them coming on and the game instantly swinging back in our favour, which it did just proves that when we're at full strength, um, you know, we, we're a good side and it's, you know, we play with confidence. Um, when we've been out of form, we haven't been out of form as a collective team. We've been out of form because we've lost key players from key positions. Mm. There hasn't been any period of time. This Lincoln City team has gone three or four games without a win with not even a full complement of players, but let's say just lacking one first team player. 
it hasn't happened. The, the, the dip in form has always come when several players have been out. So in that respect, you're quite right. There's not a lot of point in talking about Tuesday night. But then I think in the other respect, there is because you'll look at a 3-1 defeat. I got a couple of messages from fans of other uh, clubs saying, what happens to you? What happens? You know, oh, it's not good going into the playoffs like that, is it? Now, I don't think this Lincoln City tide are as affected by a poor finish to the season as some of Keith's were. Mm-hmm. You know, the year I think we got beat by Huddersfield. I might be wrong. I think we lost 3-2 to Yeovil on the final game of the season. Um, yeah. yeah. Actually, we were, we were all right against Huddersfield then. But um, 06-07 stumbled into the playoffs out of form. Yeah. I don't think we're out of form I think the last game we didn't play well but it it was Lincoln reserves yeah. mm. when you've got a Lincoln City team with no Liam Bridcut um, no Conor McGrandles no Tom Hopper started no Joel Walsh started no Brennan Johnson no Morgan Rogers that's not Lincoln City is it it's not and Mike Clapton's Lincoln City it's, uh, it's an EFL trophy team um, yeah I mean I, I think you know there was a little bit of some you know annoyed people or annoyed fans on on social media which you expect at this point you know if if we don't win every game 10 nil, then you know people are going to be upset and annoyed but i think some of the criticism that i saw was just ridiculous like you know oh well i paid my 10 quid to see this game and they couldn't be bothered to give us a game it's like everybody knew what that game was going to be going into it if the result on saturday had been different the performance on tuesday would have been different and that's one thing that really really came to light in that a lot of you know i've had a few needly messages from from a couple of peterborough fans saying oh well we were going to beat charlton anyway so well we didn't have anything to play for and you know you had to bring it up didn't you you had to bring it up you couldn't stay away could you no because i've had messages from people saying that i'm like well look ultimately would have been a different game but it wasn't so it was the game that we got and like i think i think everybody really should have understood what that game was going into it and i think to a lesser extent, probably Sunday, and I know you're going to be, you're going to feel very different on that. But I think it was, yeah, it was, it was just a really flat night, um, and it was a game that Charlton had to win. And I think ultimately, for the first half, Charlton didn't look like a team that needed to win that game, did they? No, they didn't for the second part of the second half either. And the XG doesn't suggest um, that there was a lot of difference between us. Mm. And, you know, I, I believe firmly in XG, as you know, uh, and it was ours was 1.03. So we deserved a goal. We scored a goal um, and, and Charlton's was 1.64. So, yes, they probably should have won 2-1. Very, very different if Callum Morton scores um, what is a, a, you know, the best chance of the first half by a country mile. I think he thought he was offside as he went through. Uh, yeah. And I think he hesitated, um, which is why he didn't put it away. But uh, as I said in um, an article afterwards, I think Callum's really struggled playing that lone number nine position. Mm. Um, For me, uh, Tom Hopper plays every minute of the playoffs if he's fit. Uh, And only do we need, do we turn to uh, to Callum as a, as a number nine, if um, Tom remains on the pitch and we go two up top, or if, if the game's comfortable, you know, if it's like, if it's nil nil with 70 minutes to go and Tom's still got it in the tank, Callum's not a number nine. 
Um, and I'm not I'm not saying he's not good enough. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to come out with statements like that because that's not true. The players that are struggling at the moment are the players who had spells out with COVID, uh, mm-hmm. as in um, James Jones, Harry Anderson was out injured. Um, obviously, Callum was out injured. So anyone that's had missed a large portion of the season is finding it difficult. Uh, I think personally, um, as, as as we move in, you, you look at shots and shots on target. Nine shots each team, four on target each team. Charlton weren't that much better than us. And if they do qualify for the playoffs, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth, I have no fear of them when we've got all of our fit uh, first team players mm. on the pitch. I, I, I'll be honest, arrogant as it may sound, and I may have, I may regret saying this. I don't fear anybody in the playoffs when we're at full strength. I'm not saying we'll beat anybody, but I'm saying that when Lincoln City are at full strength right now, there is nobody that we should be going into the game thinking this is going to be tough. The opposition should be thinking that it's going to be just as tough for them as it is for us. And I don't care how many times you lose 3-1 with half a team to Charlton Athletic, and that doesn't change for me. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's, it's something that we've said many times you know if, if this see if this team stays fit for the entire season we don't need the playoffs and you know it's it's kind of a victims of circumstance i guess is probably the way of putting it is as to where we are now and the, the fact is that you know i think the club posted today it was 10 years ago that we went down into non-league and 10 years later we are on the cusp of going into the championship, which is just a ridiculous turnaround, you know, especially when you consider how long we were down in non-league for. Um, but yeah, dwelling on the past and all the rest of it. So um, I think that's probably a spot to, to wrap up Tuesday. Cause like we said, it was, I, I, I kind of expected a bit of a nothing game going into it. And I don't uh, want to wrap it up. I want to talk about Regan Paul. Go on then. Uh, sorry, I know that you, you're eager to move on uh, from Tuesday, uh, and I can understand why. But I want to talk about Regan Paul because there seems to be this um, train of thought that for some reason he isn't good enough. Uh, and again, people are entitled to an opinion, so I'm not going to say those people are wrong. What I'm going to put across is my argument as to why they are wrong. Um, and that's because you've got a player who I think has now played 20 games since signing, which was at the end of January. Um, and his stats actually add up really well. And look, People can talk all they like about stats, but when you talk about things like crossing, um, and you've got Regan Paul uh, putting six crosses into the box, two accurate, so it's not fantastic accuracy, you would assume that that seems like a decent stat. But that six was more than Cohen Bramall, Anthony Scully and Harry Anderson combined. Now, you're not telling me, therefore, that it's anything to do with position because Bramall was on the other side of the field. And in terms of a success rate, he's actually there's more successful crosses from him than the other three combined on that evening as well. He's got defensive work to do. I, I, I just don't really get it. His crossing stats are actually very uh, are actually half decent. Two with success against Peterborough, uh, three too successful against Hull. And in actual fact, they might seem like no low numbers, um, but they're, they're not too bad. Because if we go to Anthony Scully, and you will hear the keyboard going because I can't have multiple screens open um, on, excuse me, on Y Scout at once. If you go to Anthony Scully, who bear in mind has been playing out wide for some of the season, and this isn't intending to call Anthony Scully out, one successful cross against um, Charlton, one attempted, one successful, two attempted, non-successful against Peterborough. He played 64 minutes against Shrewsbury, no crosses. Uh, sorry, two crosses, one successful. 
one successful cross against Hull. So Regan's actually getting more and more crosses into the box. And again, you'll hear this, the, the, the things go, Cohen Bramble, a player who actually has grown in popularity with people because I think speed is, is something that, um, that, that the fan can see. Mm. So when a player goes like shit off a shovel past a fullback, fans see it and go, blimey, Cohen Bramble's a decent player, and he is a decent player. Regan Paul doesn't have that turn of speed. So in actual fact, when Regan Paul and this applies to Anthony Scully a little bit, get the ball, it looks like they're running in mud because previously it looks like when Cohen Bramble runs, he's playing FIFA and you've got the finger on the sprint button. Instantly, there's a Regan Paul's not as good as Cohen Bramble kind of mentality going on. But Cohen Bramble's crosses, and bear in mind he's been quite well rated in recent weeks, one against Charlton, not successful. Four against Peterborough, non-successful. 34 minutes against Hull, which to be fair, he came on late, no crosses. Bristol Rovers played the whole game, two crosses, non-accurate. Milton Keynes Dons, four crosses, one accurate. Regan Paul's delivery into the box, no matter what anybody says, he's actually very, very good. And the mm. fact that he's more or less got up to speed is, is very, very good. I'm utterly baffled as to how and why I'm seeing things online about Regan Paul not being good enough. And I just purely think it's because everybody does need a scapegoat. And that is, um, it's not me calling fans out because to a degree, some people need to be able to blame. You need to have blame. Nobody's going to blame Michael Appleton for anything at the moment because of everything that he's achieved. So when they're looking for blame, they will look, for individual players rightly or wrongly that's the nature of football you're not going to it's in my opinion it's wrong but you're never going to stop it and for some reason Regan Paul um is that person and I I don't fully understand why to be honest I think he's going to be a phenomenal player I I, I would agree with you I think he's been I think he's had an excellent run and I think you know I, I don't understand where a lot of this is coming from I mean my suspicion is potentially due to the fact that, you know, he gave away a penalty against Hull and people have got that in the back of their mind and they're thinking, oh, well, he's a bit crap because he gave that penalty away. But, yeah, I, I don't agree with the criticism that's that's there. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's kept a lot of forward players quiet and while he's... He, the thing is, you've got to remember, or what people need to remember, rather, is that he's not necessarily going to be the kind of player that would be getting into that you know final third all the time because he's a right back you know i know that the, i know that the style that we play does you know encourage the the uh, the, the wing, uh, sorry the wing backs the full backs to get forward you know it, it does it it does include i uh, encourage those players to to get into that final third but overall like it's not his primary role to get forward and, and put crosses in so the yeah. fact that he, so gone so the fact that he is you know, kind of says a lot for him as a player that he is getting that. You know, he is getting to that uh, those positions, and he is putting in more crosses than than other players on the pitch successfully. You see, I I kind of um, disagree a little bit because I think it is their responsibility, Bramwell and Paul, to get forward. I think that is Michael's philosophy. Is he's almost to play them as wing backs, and they they pro. I would normally you wouldn't expect a full back to. Get as many crosses in as a winger I grant you that but I think in this style actually when our wingers tend to um 
tend to kind of overlap, get in the space behind, and then the ball tends to come back. It may come back to one of the attacking midfielders hanging around and they play a little triangle. And more often than not, actually the ball does fall to one of the um, the, the wide players. And I think that's key because they've got to get forward. In my opinion, that's part of the philosophy. And I think when you, here's another stat for you that I really like about Regan Paul shots on target. You know, he had more shots on target between the four 0 win against MK Dons and the final whistle of Peterborough. Um, than Callum Morton. More shots on target than our number nine in a one, two, three, four, five, six game period. Okay, that says a little bit about the way uh, that Callum's been dealt with with defenders, and uh, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But you wouldn't expect a fullback to do that. So in actual fact, he's, he's he, I think he gets back very uh, gets uh, forward very well. There was a moment on um, uh, Tuesday where a player cleared a ball. And it was a quick movement, okay? And the player uh, on iFollow, you saw the the, the the cross come in. It was a cracking clearance. Michael and Rob didn't pick up on who it was. The reason being, I, I think it was Michael even... Yeah, I think Michael said Monsma. But the mm. point is that... This is, I don't want this to sound wrong, but if it's Teo Eden, uh, or uh, Sorry, if it's TJ Ioma at the centre of defence heading that ball away, in a split second as you move your head backwards and forwards, you can recognise it's TJ Ioma. Mm. If it's Adam Jackson, Joe Walsh, Lewis Monsmarig and Paul, in the split second that it happens, it's very hard to pick them out because they are they all look very similar on a small screen. I don't I, you know, that's that's not I hope that doesn't sound on dodgy ground. No, but I know what you mean. But what that means is that the, the casual observer, even watching on iFollow, if they're listening on the radio and it's no detriment not to the detriment of Rob or, or, or um, Michael at all but if you listen on the radio and they say Monsma and move on you think Monsma's done the clearance he hasn't yeah he's Regan Paul easy mistakes made I would have made it if you're watching on iFollow just somebody has cleared the ball but it was yeah. Regan Paul and and that's the point I'm making he does defensive work very very well he, he gets forward very well and he's only going to get better in pre-season now we can wrap up Charlton okay <laughs> um yeah so I mean you know it, it was just yeah, it, it's been a week where I think people have not really paid too close attention to the, you know, to the results. Um, now that our place has settled, I guess. I mean, I know we've had, uh, you, you've had a, an article from Kate on the site about um, does it really matter if we're, you know, home or away in the playoffs, which we'll come on to in a little bit. But um, as we look ahead to Sunday. Do we think it's going to be a bit of a different, uh, a different situation, a different prospect? And, you know, will there be more of an urge to finish the season on a high, you know, the regular season on a high, I should say, um, than there was on Tuesday night? You know, will we see certain players making their, their returns on on Sunday um, and, and and kind of really putting a full strength team out? Well, we, I think we were going to disagree on this, weren't we? Because off air, I think you were suggesting that it might be the same as Charlton. Um, and, and, and do correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, um, to, to a point, I think my my thought is that it's... I, I can almost see, you know, a few more players... Well, maybe not a few more players, but like possibly some of the same players rested and, and brought on for the last half an hour, you know, second half maybe. Um but I, I don't. I really don't know what to expect at this point. You know, Michael is is surprising me quite a lot. Well, my um, my thought on this is that Saturday's team is more or less the starting eleven for the first playoff leg. Um, 
I expect Liam Bridcott to play 90 minutes. I expect George Grant to play 90 minutes. I expect to Joe Walsh. I expect Joe Walsh to start and probably play 60, 65 minutes. I think Tom Hopper will play. I think Brandon Johnson might get 60 minutes if he is fit. Morgan Rogers will play. And I think purely resting them on Tuesday was was a matter of you know we've played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday again, um, going through the season and it was just time to give players a rest now i think michael will want to see those players all in one game um firing on all cylinders i don't think it's a risk i think you you risk taking your foot off the pedal too much if you go into this mm. game with the same um outlook as charlton one or two of those players might not be overly happy about being left out I spoke to liam bridcott head of the program um article I actually spoke to him on tuesday and he said you know every footballer wants to play Every footballer wants to play. And it is about momentum um, in terms of their individual performances. I can fully understand resting them on Tuesday uh, because, again, you, you know, two games in a week, increased fatigue, increased risk of strains, muscle tap. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. The more that you exercise, the more that you are at risk of an injury that's not a kick, not a foul, not an elbow in the face. Mm. But I fully expect that Michael will want all of the players that he's going to rely on in the playoffs to have played as close to 90 minutes as possible against Wimbledon. Um, I have no doubt whatsoever Liam Bridcut, the intention with Liam Bridcut will be 90 minutes, 75 at the very, very least. Um, and I, you know, I don't think it's as much about winning, losing or drawing the game. Uh, I, you know, maybe we go as far as to say it doesn't matter because I think to a degree it matters to fans. But yeah, Michael, I think, tends to point out that his performances that have mattered. He feels that in picking up one point from two games against Peterborough and Hull, actually we did incredibly well because we deserved a point from Hull and three from Peterborough. And if you take that into the playoffs and you're still playing well and you're still in form, then it is the blow of a whistle, the rub of a green, the bounce of a ball that defeats you. It's not the fact that you've you've stumbled in. And you know, in terms of form, Form can take two, um, can, can, can come in two different ways. It can be results. People just look at it and go, well, Lincoln have lost that, drawn that, won that, lost that. Well, they've only won one in four. They're not in good form. Or you can look at the performances and actually Charlton, yeah, didn't play well. Peterborough very well. Beat Shrewsbury. Hull, we played well, in my opinion. Beat Burton, beat Bristol Rovers, beat Milton Keynes Dons. So in actual fact, you're then talking about six, seven games where we are in form in terms of the performances we're putting in. Um, the results don't reflect that, but we won't be playing two teams who are already promoted or will be you know, promoted to the championship in Holland Peterborough. So I, I think that um, yeah, you play a full team on Sunday as much as possible, uh, go out, get the minutes under the belt, and then ensure that they are ready for the big one. Absolutely, I, I think you've actually you've convinced me there in in your little. Uh, you know, in, in the way that only you can do, Gaz. So, Would you like me to convince you why John Bosby giving that penalty was a good thing? No, no, because okay. I've, I've put it to bed now. I'm over it. OK, here's why not taking the battle for automatic promotion to the last day is a good thing. Then how about that? Do you want that quick? Go on. Let, let's say we beat Peterborough. OK, so then we need to go and beat Charlton. So you put your full first team out again. You go and beat Charlton, let's say. So then you go into the final game of the season against Wimbledon. If we win, we need Peterborough to uh, lose. Correct? Yep. We win, go hell for leather, Peterborough draw. They go up. 
We've then played three games in the space of eight days with all of our first team players going hell for leather for promotion. And we're still in the same position that will be now that will be at five o'clock on Sunday afternoon going into the playoffs. But instead of having rested players, given some minutes to some of the fringe players um, and, and kind of carried our squad through nicely into the playoffs, we're nursing injuries, we're nursing knocks. We may have lost one of the players who's returning. Joe Walsh perhaps hasn't had an opportunity to come back. That's why, in actual fact, I think I think we were going to go into the playoffs anyway as soon as we lost to Hull. That was when I think our automatic promotion hopes genuinely faded. And at that point, I actually think it was better for the club that we've had two games to cushion ourselves going into the playoffs and going hell for leather. Of course, if Peterborough were to have lost and you, you never know what's going to happen, I would rather have gone up automatically. But I, as you know, I was resigned to the playoffs, I think, after the whole game. So I had no stress going into the Peterborough game. And I just think it's the best thing for the club to go into the playoffs this way than having had to fight. And let's also face disappointment. Because if you lo- if you beat Wimbledon and then you're on the pitch waiting for Peter's res- result to come through and they've drawn, you've got to pick yourself back up from a major disappointment. Our major disappointment was a was a week or so ago now. By the time the playoffs come around, there will have been two games. Mindset's changed. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, you've not convinced me, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah. It's... Um, it, it almost makes me want to say, you know what, I wouldn't mind playing poker against Gaz because he's going to be one of those people who's like, well, I've got good cards, but Ben might have better cards, so I'm just going to fold. That's absolutely not the right analogy at all. <laughs> you wouldn't want to play poker at me because actually I've got an analytical mind from Hull City and I'm already thinking four moves ahead. I'm already have that one eye. Chess. I already, no, 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 it works for poker. I've already got one eye on what might be on the river. I already know roughly what people have got around their hands. It doesn't matter if I'm holding pocket aces or a two and a seven. Poker's all about analytics. Trust me, I know. I write two or three articles about poker a day every single bloody day so <laughs> i can tell you all about online poker man why online poker is experiencing a resurgence how much the gaming industry in america is expected to go up cagr uh, by two uh, by 2025 oh dear sorry i know i, I know can even tell you former nfl players who now make a living playing poker <laughs> i know i know you you know you you giving a, a, a valiant defense or a valiant, you know explanation of why you would beat me at poker. But all I could see while you were saying that was the scene in the office where Gareth Keenan's explaining to the woman why he beat her at top trumps every time. And uh, you've not, I, where he's like, I'll, I'll know from my, the cards in my hand, the cards that you've got in your hand, you will never win. He's getting really aggressive towards it. That's that's all I could think of. Well, it was quite I, wasn't getting, I wasn't getting aggressive towards no, it. No, 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 no. I know you weren't, but like that, that sort of, just that sort of, uh, that explanation. Anyway, let's move on. Um, how do we see the result going? I mean, obviously, you know, like you said, I think if, we, if we're expecting as close to a full, tra- a full strength team as possible, um, I can't really see too much of a, again, this is going to sound really arrogant, but I can't see too much of a problem on Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it would be nice. I suppose it would be nice to end the season on a you know regular season on a win. Um, but I mean, there's nothing that either team really have to play for at this point, is there? No, I mean, 
Um, I think all things being equal, we 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 win the game. Um, I think you've got it's going to pain me to say this. You've got the Palmer factor, um, Ollie, <laughs> not Alex. You know he's he's king shit house and he's going to want to do whatever he can to um, stick one to Lincoln City. I, I actually think Wimbledon have done very well over the last um, six to eight weeks to stay up. I think they're a decent side. I think they're always going to struggle uh, towards the bottom of the division, but I think that um, you know they're not going to come here and roll over. Players are playing for a contract. Uh, I think probably um, when you look at the playoffs as it stands now is, is how it's probably likely to finish. So mm-hmm. I, I can see us winning the game. I can see uh, Sunderland beating Northampton. Um, I think Blackpool have got a, what you might class as relatively straightforward game at like home to Bristol Rovers as well. So uh, yeah, it doesn't matter for you do want to see if, if we do play the full first team, you want to see shades of how that, uh, how that, how the team, um, He's going to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can't see. I can't see too much outside of you know what, what we've said there. It's going to be. I think it's. I think it would be like I said, nice to see the season out with a win, um, and we'll yeah we'll go into the playoffs. How unusual is it to go into the final game of a season and there's only one thing to be decided? The automatics yeah. sorted. The four relegation spots are sorted. Um, yep. and, and what are the playoffs? Portsmouth at home to Accrington, um, Charlton at home to Hull. That's a tough one. I think Charlton will, will struggle there. Yep. Um, and Oxford and Burton. I can actually see Oxford making it, if I'm honest. I can see Accrington holding Portsmouth. I can see Hull um, and Charlton being a, a, a draw. I mean, Charlton could win it because Nigel Adkins wanting to beat his former team and it's, it's that sort of narrative. I actually think Oxford beat Burton and obviously if Portsmouth don't beat Accrington and Oxford win, Mm. um, then Oxford are into the playoffs and I think they'll get there. Interesting. I mean, I, I personally, I can see it. I think the teams that are in there now will be the teams that, 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 you know, the four that compete, uh, contest the playoffs, whether that's going to be in the order that they're in or not. I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, Portsmouth can't finish any higher than sixth, but whether it's going to be, you know, us away first or us at home first, I don't really know. And that kind of, kind of leads me into some of the questions that we've got, uh, because I don't think we don't really think there's anything else to talk about in terms of the games. But um, we did ask, well, you did ask for some questions and uh, first one we may as well ask is Kate and Kate Jackson says personal views on if home first or second leg actually makes that much of a difference especially in Covid times no. um, I don't think it does at all um, no. I think I said it after the game and I think you agreed with me which you know I, I, there's, there's sure? been there's, there have been two tweets this week that I've wanted to frame um, and they're both replies to the same thing that i put out i said that i didn't really mind who uh, let me see if i can find it i think it's going to be good listening if you're scrolling through twitter you want me <laughs> to sing a song while you do it no it's fine um here we go because i said you know i think you said yep that's my thoughts too um and andy pearson said i hate to say it but i agree with everything that you've said ben and i replied and i said i'm framing this tweet 
because I'm just going to have that one moment where Andy agreed with me and you did as well. It was a, it was a glorious night, but I mean, normally did you plagiarize the tweet from somebody respectable. No, I bloody didn't. <laughs> I don't plagiarize Gary. I... <laughs> it wasn't one of my tweets. Was it that you've copied and pasted? <laughs> That's why I agreed with it. <laughs> I would never plagiarize. <laughs> What's a horrible <laughs> accusation to sling at a fellow writer? Um, well, I wouldn't oh, call, call tweeting writing. Hey, I've got a website where I write things about video games. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not talking about your website. I'm talking about <laughs> tweeting. Because you've actually been plagiarised on your website, if I remember correctly, as well. So yeah, some people have ripped entire articles and posted them. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it makes a difference. Um, I think we're going to be normally, obviously, it would do. I think the second leg at home is, is kind of what you want, um, particularly when you have full houses. But I think the restrictions that are going to be put in place, if we are indeed allowed fans into the stadium, is going to be uh, it's going to be so similar in terms of a game, in terms of an atmosphere, because you're not going to have that full house roaring you on. And I think in some instances, particularly if, you know, we get Sunderland, if you're having to have a smaller amount of fans in the stadium of light, I think that could be detrimental to Sunderland because you're not going to have, you know, that wall of noise because the fans are going to be quite spread out. Um, okay. I've got two points to make, I think on that. Um, the first one I actually think, and the stats might not back me up, and and normally I, I rely on stats. I actually prefer to be at home in the first leg okay. because um, you, you look back to Scunthorpe. Yep. So we played Scunthorpe. We were at home in the first leg. That's our roll of the dice. And we won 5-3. Psychologically, they're losing the game when they go at home. Doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter that it's the second leg and they can go win 3-0, in my opinion. And I know we saw differently with Northampton and Cheltenham last season. But um, Huddersfield, we had the second leg away. We'd already lost the game. But then you go there with you, you kind of, you, your tails up a little bit as well. They're then having to defend the lead. I think that whoever is at home in the, uh, I think in the first leg, in my opinion, I prefer that. Um, now, whether footballers would be the same or not, I don't know. Don't think it matters as much in COVID times because, as we've proven, actually, we're better away from home. Yeah. Um, but then that plays into we maybe want the home leg first because we've got more chance of getting a result in the away leg. But would you rather know what you need to do in terms of pulling back a deficit or would you rather know what you need to do in terms of protecting a lead? I don't know which is, do you know what I mean? Obviously, mm. you'd rather win the first leg, but... Um, and, and going into the Sunderland point, I actually disagree uh, because I think because it's a portion of your stadium's capacity and not just two and a half thousand in Sinsel Bank, two and a half thousand in the stadium alight, Sunderland are the ones that will benefit the most from having supporters in the stadium. Because let's say it's Sunderland that we get. And at the moment, barring um, a miracle with, with Bristol Rovers um, and Blackpool, it's going to be Sunderland. We play the first leg at home. Yeah, we've got two and a half thousand fans in the stadium, four and a half thousand fans out the stadium, because I guarantee you if I don't get a ticket, I'm outside the ground. No shame <laughs> whatsoever in that. Um, 100% uh, I'll be there one way or another, even if I can't see the game. So so we do that. You get a point, you get a result, win, draw, whatever. Go to stadium alight, 48,000 capacity. 
So you can have either, I think it's a quarter of your capacity or 10,000, whichever's lowest. Mm. So there'll be 10,000 Sunderland fans in there. Now, I don't care how far, how spread out 10,000 fans are. They're going to make a lot of noise. We made, a, there was a lot of noise there, the Millennium Stadium the first time we went. And that was, I think, what, 20 odd thousand fans in a 70,000 capacity stadium. Yeah. Mm. For me, I actually think it's a little bit unfair. I think that you should be allowed a um, uh, a portion of your average attendance not your capacity. And I think that should be, uh, be for sporting integrity. I understand that the COVID rules are not based around sporting integrity. They're based around safety. But I think it favours those with bigger grounds uh, who have got fewer fans. Now, Carlisle, I don't think, can make the League Two playoffs. Um, I might be wrong. I haven't looked at it. But Brunton Park is huge. And so proportionally, I think if they made the playoffs and were allowed supporters in on on that basis, they'd be at full. They'd have all their supporters in. And how would that be fair if they then played? And I know your heart's not going to bleed for them, but if they then played somebody like Forest Green, no, that's a bad example because they get bugger all fans anyway. Uh, if they <laughs> played somebody that had a, a smaller ground but nearly filled it, let's you see say what Salford. I mean. It's not, it, you know. Yeah, a, a, a small ground, I, I, even a Cheltenham or something like that. I know they've automatically come up, but, you know, or, or somebody that's got a 9,000 stadium that's getting 6,000 fans in, whereas in actual fact, that would then mean that they could only have, um, what, 2,000 maybe? Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I know that there's no common sensible way to do it, but I do think that having fans back, everyone's delighted that fans are back. I understand that. I think Lincoln fans can't wait to get back in, but I actually think that it could be, could favour Sunderland in the playoffs um, unfairly, and Portsmouth as well to a degree, you know, because their capacity is fourteen or fifteen thousand. Um, I think it's unfair that it's based on capacity. Mm. Sorry, yeah. no, their their average crowd is that Fratton Park is. Uh, I'll say Fratton Park's more than more than that, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. Um, I. <sighs> I, I think it's probably partly because I've just it's been so long since I've been in a football stadium at all that it's like what does that noise you know what does that noise relate to I mean obviously you said about the Millennium Stadium there in the, in the first year and that to be honest is something that I didn't really think about um, but that was a hell of a noise that was a hell of a noise that time um, but I, yeah I mean it, it, we'll see what happens I just think it's going to be a very very interesting uh, few weeks and obviously is it um uh is it the 17th that they start or is that the I, that's the no that's the, the week, date that's week commencing i think we play 18th or 19th right uh, would be the first leg and then i think he, I, I might be wrong it might be 17th or 18th actually it might be the monday or tuesday um should we we really should have researched this uh, so yeah. league one playoffs let's <laughs> let's do that uh and let's have a look and see when they are i'm, I'm really it's definitely week commencing the 17th right um and it is uh so the semi-finals for league one 18th and 19th so i was correct the tuesday and wednesday and then the second semi-finals second leg 21st and 22nd so if we played on tuesday the 18th uh, we would then play on the friday the 21st and if we played on wednesday the 19th we would then play saturday the 22nd okay so you would think 
that it would probably be better to play on the Tuesday because you would get a, a couple of hours extra break. Yeah. Um, whereas because the Saturday would be a three o'clock kickoff, whereas the Wednesday would be a night time, but it would be negligible. It would. All I'm happy about, and it's terrible, isn't it, that we lost to Charlton, and that means that we're likely to finish fifth or sixth. Um, so I will be here for the first leg. Whereas the <laughs> second, if we finished higher up the second leg at home, I would have been in Cornwall. Oh, there so, we go. Purely well, selfish. Let's let's just say you would have been in Cornwall until about what three or four hours before kickoff, and then you would have mysteriously had to uh, nip out and get a couple of cans and not come back for the rest of the night. Yeah, you've met Theo, I assume. <laughs> she's mild mannered but like clark kent no like hulk um you know if i was to do something like that she's she's putting an awful lot of weight in this holiday you know, it's the first one since obviously covid and everything so there is she's not even that happy that i've said that i'll do match day live and watch the game uh from the holiday cottage she's like you're gonna watch the game as well well if there's a chance of us getting to wembley i'm not gonna miss the game so yeah, I mean, I I had a I had a conversation with my boss on when I say my boss, I mean my boss at work, not Rage. Not Rage. Uh, <laughs> on not on Monday. No, on uh, on Tuesday. Sorry, it wasn't Monday because we were off uh, we were off Bank Holiday, wasn't it? So Tuesday. Um, asked me how my weekend went. I said let's just skip over that. And he said, oh, was it just football? And he is not a sporting man. And uh, the words it's just a game we used in admittedly partial jest, but I was still not a happy chappy. How's the new job search going? Um, or <laughs> anyway, um, right. Okay. So let's move on to some more questions. We've got, um, do, 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 do Callum Morton bring back on loan or not from the shirt man. No. Okay. No, I'm afraid not. Um, it doesn't fit the style of play that Michael wants to play. And I think if we were to um, bring him back, I think it would be a challenging season for him because he, I don't think that it's our, our setup is the right setup. I think that's been evident since he's come back. I think he's a good player, um, but I think that our approach and playing him as a number nine back to goal is not what he's about. And I think you're, I think his confidence, if he were to come back over the course of a year and were persistently played in that role, would take a knock. I think Callum Morton is best served next season um, going to a team who people think might be lower half league one, but in actual fact could do better. So a crew, for instance, um, a team that plays two up top uh, and Accrington where He's going to play every game. He's going to play it in the position he wants to play it in uh, and he's going to benefit. And and people would look at it and go, well, why didn't he score for us? Not understanding the different systems. So that's what that, that's my thought anyway. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree. Um, it's not a it's not a slight on him. He's obviously a very talented footballer and he, he's shown it with a couple of the goals that he scored. You know, I mean, obviously he hasn't scored a huge amount this season, but that's partly because he's been out a lot of it through injury, but when he's been able to to get away from his defender and, and get that, you know, get the goal, we've seen he's got a really good eye for goal and a really good, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, really good work rate. But I just don't think he, like you say, I don't think he fits that lone striker role. Um, so it, as much as it would be nice to, to see what he can do over a full season, I, I just don't think he would, like you said, fit within um, the, the squad that we've got. So, yeah, and don't don't forget, you say that he showed a really good eye for goal, but actually, 
you know, you should have buried those chances against Charlton. And and I'm yeah, you know, yes. I'm the first one to defend a striker who misses a chance, um, Tom Hopper against Peterborough. But I, I I just I don't think that us and Callum Morton are a good fit. I'm trying to think of who it was that he scored against because it was a really, really like really cute finish. Sunderland or Fleetwood, they were the two recent ones. I think it was was it Fleetwood was when he came on and um, Fleetwood uh, at home was Palmer it? Got the, yeah, Alex Palmer got the assist. Yeah, that was it. Me. Yeah, um, but the finish against Sunderland was great. It was it showed yeah. a real nice striker's instinct. But I, I just think his confidence has been knocked a little bit. When you've listened to him talking in interviews and he talked about it not being his usual position, he yeah. sounds to me like a player who's trying to make it work. Um, yeah. And you know, it's better for him. Yeah, I think he's different for strikers. You look at defenders, and they're much more flexible. TJ Ioma, for instance, is a player who looks just as comfortable at centre back as right back. And there's a degree of flexibility there because you're still playing with the game in front of you almost. You know, a defender doesn't play with his with his back to the opposition goal. He plays with his back to his own goal, which wherever he is on the pitch. I think a striker is one of those few areas where. You play with your back to goal. You play as one of a two. You play slightly to the right in the channels. You know, there's the striker's role probably is much more varied. A centre back's a centre back. You know, you're either yeah. one of a two, one of a three, or or you're a full back. But it, it doesn't change a lot. Uh, well, it's, it's like, the conversation we had about Tom, uh, Tom Hopper earlier in the season, isn't it? You know, we we said that um, you know that that Tom Hopper is kind of the the player that will force those chances. You know, his work rates there, and the fact is that he's he's not going to be getting 20 goals a season, but he provides that opportunity for other players. And I think the, the instant comparison that I'm, you know, I made, well, I had in my head for, um, for Callum Morton is almost a bit like the way that we were talking before we played Sunderland about, uh, about Charlie White, where you say, if you can keep the delivery quiet, then, you know, he won't score. And I think the type of, delivering a type of you know football that we're playing in order to get the ball up to Callum Morton isn't the kind of football that he would thrive on for goals because I think he needs that he needs the, the deliveries to to come to him where he has somebody to run off or he has somebody to peel away from and you've got that partnered striker like Tom Hopper for example who would do the hard work almost like that number 10 you know sort of old school number 10 you know the sort of the striking partnership where you have the player that does the the dirty stuff and then gets the ball across to the the you know the number nine who just slots at home. I think that's possibly where Callum Morton would fit in. And again, it's not necessarily our style. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to. There's a couple of strikers in our division that I would I would like to see join us. I think that's one area that that Michael will really look to um, strengthen. And that's not to Tom's detriment because you know, we're quite right. We talk about um, in playing. Not, not the messy style false nine, but it's still a false nine, um, in my opinion. But you know, he isn't as clinical as you would like at times. I think Tom has had a good season, probably by his own admission. He could have had a, a five more goals on top of what he's got with, with some of the chances he's missed. I mean, I, you know, there's three or four that spring to mind. There's one in particular, which was Crew. I think, when we were at Crew, we missed a sitter. Um, obviously there was the the um, Peterborough one there's a couple of others now he's, he's a player who I think has a future at the club he's a player I think we can use um, in certain situations but I definitely think that we need a like for like change and the thing is if Michael's going to bring another striker in to complement the squad any manager's going to want to bring in better than he already has so he's going to be looking for somebody who is 
or who looks better than Tom Hopper. So then it's going to be tough. I, 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 I mean, it would be good for the club because we'd have that real competition for places. And I, I had a chat with uh, my friend Chris last night. Uh, and he said, yeah, I'd love to see us sign Jaden Stockley. And I know um, Michael Horton was kind of saying the same sort of thing as well. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, we won't get him. I really like Dion Charles at, um, at Accrington. But we need a Jerry Yates figure. I was really impressed mm. with Jerry Yates. Lots of work rate. But also, he can switch his game at the same time to who's become the, the, the nine. Who's the, the lad of Bristol Rovers that came on? Brandon Hanlon. No, the big unit of the lad. I can't remember his bloody name. Jordan Ayunga? That's the one. He started the game. He didn't Did come he? On. Yeah, Hanlon come on. Ayunga started. Oh, my bad. Yes, I, I got those. And yeah, I, that's to me, that's almost the kind of player that, that either I would like to see come in or is the kind of player that I think would benefit somebody like Callum Morton. Okay. Yeah, I've... I've, I've kind of moved on from Morton I'm just thinking well no I know but, but yeah so, so that, anyway. that to me is kind of yeah that it kind of fills two spots there I think he I would potentially like to see them come into Lincoln um or you know he would do well with Callum Morton but yeah we're moving away from that now so I think probably the it, it's a question that we're sort of already answering but Adam Johns asks regardless of where we are next season how might Michael Appleton look to strengthen the squad without having this season's low knee successes assuming they don't come back again um, I think it's probably fair to assume that they won't be coming back unless we go up um, mm. and then I can potentially see one maybe two back I think if we go up I can see two back um, in uh, Morgan Rogers and TJ Ioma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we get Alex Palmer back because I think if West Brom come down, which looks almost certain, in the cell, Sam Johnson, Palmer could well be their first choice goalkeeper. If not, we'll probably stay there as their reserve. Morton we could get back, but we've just discussed we probably wouldn't, wouldn't be rubbing our hands with glee at the uh, at the prospect in, in terms of our squad. Brennan Johnson, no chance. Uh, I think if we stay in League One, there is an outside chance that TJ comes back. Okay. Uh, an outside chance, not a nailed on one. I, I I did an interview with him the other week, which unfortunately I then lost due to a corrupted memory card and couldn't transcribe. So it was more like a conversation with him <laughs> that never got published. Yeah. Um, and and he basically alluded to the fact that all he wants to do now is play senior football, and if he's not going to get that at Spurs, he'll be looking for another loan. And I just got the impression that that you know. There's a potential there. Now, with Morgan Rogers, uh, Pete chatting to Pete the other day, uh, he said he, he feels that Morgan Rogers could go to a Brighton or somebody like that and do very, very well in the, the lower half of the Premier League. I think that's too early. And I think if he makes a move to a championship, bearing in mind he's only 18 slash 19 by the time the season rolls round, you've got a danger of the Ben Woodburn effect. Ben Woodburn was, you know, hot shit at Liverpool um, and everybody wanted him. They loaned him to Sheffield United. The loan was an utter disaster. He played about four games. Since then, his career's just collapsed. His confidence has gone. He hasn't had any senior football. He's suffered injuries. He can't get into the Oxford side now on loan from Liverpool. You know, he, he looks a spent force. I don't think he is, but he looks it. Now, the danger with Morgan Rogers is that that happens again in that they, they loan him to a top-end championship side he's a very good player but there's a lot to learn he's a, he's a he's a rough diamond we've seen his development over the last three or four months in terms of his tracking back his work rate so they send him to a team who perhaps don't have the same record with youngsters who are expecting the spark of brilliance from morgan rogers mm. doesn't get a game confidence goes maybe having seen him for the six months at lincoln man city think 
he'll benefit from another season there. Maybe. And it's, it's, a, you know, it's a massive maybe. I could actually see him going back on loan to West Brom, where mm. he came from. But. Okay. I mean, I'd, I would... I, yeah, I'd, I'd personally think that, that they're the two likely ones for me as well. Um, like you said, no chance that, that we're going to get Brennan Johnson back, particularly some of the numbers that are being thrown around at the moment. Um, and I think you, you're spot on about Alex Palmer. I think he'll be going back. Um, I think there was some news that I saw the other day which suggested that that's going to be the case anyway. They're getting rid of one of the keepers now. I'm Bobby sure Sam saw, Johnson. They've been, um, he's the former Manchester United lad that's, I think, they could get a good, good big fee for which will mm. help if they come down yeah and i'm sure i saw something the other day that basically said that's more or less a done deal but um other than that you know how might we how might we be looking to strengthen the squad i mean obviously we're going to need a keeper um i th- <clears throat> i think midfield wise i think he's he's kind of been almost spoiled for choice with some of them obviously that includes a couple of you know loanies at the moment so we may need to look at strengthening a couple in there and it's you know It'll be a transfer window. It will be Lincoln City, so they will be looking for a striker. That's just lo- lo- the rules. Sorry, loanees in midfield. Who? Well, sorry, I'm I'm counting. Yeah, I'm counting uh, Brennan Johnson Attack. and yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I'm counting them as attacking midfielders. Yeah, midfield, no chance. I mean, I said that though last year, and then we signed somebody, but with. Grant, Eden, McGrandles and Bridcut and Max Sanders, who I think will play in an increasing role next season. You've got five midfielders going into three positions. Yeah. James Jones as well. So think- I mean I, I like I say, I was counting I was counting Rogers and Johnson in there. But yeah. if you don't if you don't count those and you just count the you know the three sort of central roles or, you know, if you if you discount the, the second half, the second third of the field, I guess, um, then yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you. Um, I, but I, I think can, I can see us going for wide players mm-hmm. um on permanent deals who are currently in league one but could play higher um so there was rumors i think in the winter that we were in for jordan graham at gillingham i think he's out of contract this year he wouldn't command the fee at gillingham um, i really like him and i know gillingham fans would be really gutted if he left for a club that they deem to be the same size as, as them which yeah, we are there's there's not a lot between us and gillingham no matter what we say you know what we think we are we're very similar sized clubs mm-hmm. um there's the boy at uh cruise out of contract as well is it ainsley it's ryan ainsley i like the look of him he's like almost like another um james jones I, I think Michael might look at that. There's a lad coming out um, of contract to MK Dons who I really rate, and I've rated him every time I've seen him, uh, Jordan Houghton. He's been released by MK Dons. He He's a player. He's been desperately unlucky with injuries at MK Dons, um, and he, he's a player I like. I mean, this is these are just... You know, they're not what I think Michael particularly signed, but they're just, he's going to look still for the sort of player that he can turn around. So there'll be players probably from Premier League clubs who are being released, who we may look at, but we're not going to make huge, huge amounts, huge numbers because we've got a very, very settled squad. And there's another, there's another lad at crew as well. Um, and he's a defensive midfielder who's done really well this season who, I, who I've liked the look of. I mean, I think the other thing as well to, to bring up on that point is that I don't think, you know, the, the players that Michael's probably going to be looking at bringing in, it's not necessarily going to be players that we know 
because of the way that he likes to do the business. You know, he likes to bring in a young player, similar to what you know the way Keith scoured non-league back in the day. It, he will bring in a younger player that we might not necessarily have heard of. Yeah, and, good point. You know, and 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 develop them from there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously it's it's basically the keeper and the attack that I think will need strengthening. Um, it's the two crew players I've got mixed up. It's Ryan Wintle. Um, who plays holding midfielder? It's Callum Ainley, um, but he's he's Callum Ainley's 23, and he's a little bit like um, a Brennan Johnson figure in mm. that he can play central midfield, attacking midfield, on the wing as well. Um, so, and uh, yeah, we saw this, we've seen this year. You're quite right when you say about bringing the young players in because that's something Michael certainly does. The players that we don't know. I mean, who had heard of Max Sanders before he um, before mm. he signed? But look at Paul Bramall, McGrandles, James Jones. Mm. He does also go for players that are established at this level who can kick on to the next level and use Lincoln City as the springboard. And mm. it wouldn't surprise me. You know, he goes to Crew for James Jones. He's gone to MK Dons for for three players now. It really wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't have an eye on a team that plays similar football to us, which is why I think we've lent on MK Dons and Crew because they play very similar possession based football, um, but with a little bit more purpose and, and the Michael Appleton magic. So um, Ryan Wintle, I think, is the one that that really stood out for me. But he's a holding midfielder, which goes against what I said a minute ago. You know that whole oh, I was shot you know I like wine. Um, <laughs> So, but again, you don't know. You you don't know with uh, with Michael. No, absolutely. Uh, Roy asks um, Portsmouth, Charlton, or Oxford for the playoff final spot, or for the final playoff spot. Sorry, yeah, (laughs) that very mixed up. Um, I still think Portsmouth, um, mainly because, and I know you hate narratives in football. It kind of sets up the narrative in the worst slash best way possible. Um, and I can just see it happening. So why does Oxford not? Oxford get in, beat Blackpool. We finally play them at Wembley. We were denied the chance of meeting each other in the EFL final because both teams were beaten in the semi-finals. Uh, then we reverse our semi-final defeat against Sunderland to make the final where Oxford are waiting. And it's the Michael Ableton versus Oxford at Wembley all over again. True. I, I think Oxford will do it. Um, I don't think Oxford would make the playoff final. I think, um, I personally... I mean, it, it I, was it was the final playoff spot, not the playoff final spot. Yeah, yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I, I say I think Oxford make the final playoff spot, but I don't think they make the playoff final. I yeah. think if they get through, they get beat by Blackpool. Uh, I think we play Sunderland. It's anybody's game, but I say we win because they've got very few centre-halves and then we meet Blackpool in the final. That's my um, my prediction. Cool. Um, right. So that's kind of the footballing, uh, the footballing questions out of the way. And as you'd expect, uh, we have some nonsense questions as well. So um, Sam asks, if you could be any type of potato, what would it be? A slimmer one than I am now. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could just say a chip in that, in that instance then. Um, yeah. Well, no, because they're, they're, they're soaked in saturated fats. So that's not very healthy, Ben. I'd be if I could be any potato. I'd be the one with the glasses and the. I'd have matchsticks for arms and legs, you know, like a Mr. Potato Head type thing. Um, or I'd be a potato stamp, you know, like they use in primary school where you, you stamp paint all over the wall with potato. Did you ever do that? <laughs> or did you go to a primary school that actually had brushes and things? Uh, I think we did both. 
Um, but no, I, I, I don't know. Maris Piper, why not? Because it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, uh, Johnny D says, are you a fan of the KLF? Um, initially, I was about to say, I think they're unbelievable. And then I remembered that that's EMF, not KLF. Um, so uh, I can't say that I'm a huge fan because I've not heard a huge amount by them. But yourself? Uh, uh, well, I uh, I am an ancient of Moo Moo, um, so I was a uh, I, I did used to like the KLF. Uh, obviously, the KLF were originally they did um, Doctor in the Tardis, didn't they? Doctor in the Tardis. Um, do you remember that? No, that was about eighty eight. <laughs> I was two. And then they did um, the, with Tammy Wynette, just the and they're ancient, and they drive an ice cream van to the top. Um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Love that song. Uh, God, I hope Stu can clip some of these this week. <laughs> and he despises it because whenever I play it, they call me up in Tennessee. It just gets in your head like uh, a. <laughs> So um, oh, I, I do I I like some of the KLF uh, yeah I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan JD but I uh, I, I I like certain songs. There we go. Um, what time is love? <laughs> someone called Graham says about time you had that Bubs bloke on again, isn't it? No. <laughs> no, we're not doing another foreign language pod. It was it was interesting while we did it, but there's just not enough Geordies listen to understand what was going on, and I'm sure he'll tell me he's not a Geordie. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, for those that haven't listened, obviously I did a special with Bob as he came up here. Uh, it was good. It was good. Yeah, Crack I listened. Actually, I enjoyed it. So, and he brought me a signed up. picture of Peter Gain. So. Oh, you jammy bastard! Yeah. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, I listened to it on Monday. Actually, it was good. Uh, good laugh. Good listen. Um, and uh, Peter he asked, as well, which is good. Yeah, positive. Pete says, if nothing sticks to Teflon, how does Teflon stick to a pan? science in it yeah yeah there you go that's one for ben he's the techie i don't know um here's what i want to know why when you buy a non-stick saucepan over time does it become a stick saucepan so i've I've got a non-stick a non-stick frying pan i fry eggs in it i'm not scraping it with wire wool but over time it suddenly the eggs start sticking to it it's planned obsolescence mate Mm. I think that's the case on my phone. Well, yeah, phone, it absolutely is. My contract is up this month, and I thought this time I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to let the because I'm yeah I'm not that bothered about new phones and stuff like that. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's you've got moisture in your charging port, and I plug my charger in, and my phone starts making a noise like a bloody ambulance. No, 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 no! Don't plug this in. It's going to blow the world up. So I kind of take it out, and it's like put it. It's dry. I can see it's dry. There's no moisture in it. No, don't charge it. Get a new phone instead. Bollocks to you. Moisture in your charging port. That's a bad name if ever there was one. Isn't there? Yeah, isn't it just? <laughs> you know, I was one. I once actually um, auditioned for a band called Knuckle Bumfluff and the Mongol Babies. I might have said that before on here. I don't think you have because that's no. genius. No, well, it's not because actually it's racially insensitive. Oh, okay. Because. Uh, the uh, word Mongol, which is obviously racially insensitive, is actually uh, derived from uh, Mongolians uh, in a very well, negative yes. sense. So yeah. I, I, you know, I, I haven't taken um, a, a, a political correctness course. I'm just aware of that. Um, but we sang two songs. I sang um, 
Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson uh, and All the Small Things by Blink-182. I say I sung two songs. I was scheduled to. But when they realised I didn't know the words to Beautiful People, um, I didn't get to sing the second song. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, the only thing that I, I, I can add to that is uh, I there was a, 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 web, a website that I used to follow and they uh, they did a, a series of video game reviews, but in a musical style. And they reviewed Resident Evil 7 uh, in the style of Marilyn Manson. Uh, but instead of saying the beautiful people, they said the Resident Evil. The Resident uh, Evil. The Resident Evil. Yeah. <laughs> and every time I hear that song, that is all I can say. Uh, it's all I can hear when the chorus comes in. So whenever I, whenever I hear Marilyn Manson now, I just hear um, a song by somebody who's a bit too rapey for for public consumption. Yeah, he's, I was, he's a bit he, of a bit of a wrong gone, He's gone a bit Noel Clark, hasn't he? I mean, there was always probably that side to him, allegedly. What, Noel, Noel Clark. I didn't no, see that. Marilyn. Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, God, if you didn't know Marilyn Manson was weird, I don't know what was wrong with you. <laughs> you only had to look at him and go kind of like, oh, yeah, you're not going to look at Marilyn Manson. And go, yeah, he's a straight up guy. He's not going to be into weird shit, is he? Um, the best thing about Marilyn Manson is real name's Brian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I quite like that. Great live, though. Didn't like any of his music, but saw him live at a festival. And uh, I, I never liked the song Disposable Teens, which kind of now, looking back, a bit creepy yeah it is isn't it it's, that's a little bit Michael Jackson except yeah. that'd be disposable pre-teens <laughs> still could be worse could you to you know you may have used to have been a huge Lost Profits fan yeah I wasn't yeah I, I was um, anyway I, like two, I had two little boys on vinyl by Rolf so. oh god so did he um right no, he didn't no he didn't rolf was not convicted of anything with boys it was teenage girls and that doesn't particularly make it better but it's an important distinction to make when listening to the song two little boys which should not be tarnished by rolf harris's later actions because it is still a very meaningful message about friendship through life so i'm not having that next you heard it here first, folks. Okay. Gary Hutchinson defending Rolf Harris. No, 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 no. You didn't hear that. I said I was defending the song. I said it shouldn't be tarnished by Rolf's later actions. I'm not defending a kiddie fiddler. I'm saying that the song should not be tarnished. Gary Glitter's songs were shit, right? There's no point you want to be in my gang, my gang. Not a good song. Two Little Boys was a song with a very deep meaning that my granddad once recorded onto a cassette tape and sent me. And it touched me as a child. Not in a literal way. No Paris type jokes. So I'm not having it. Two Little Boys was a good song. It shouldn't be tarnished by Rolf's later actions. It's like people saying, no, if you listen to Bad by Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson's songs are still acceptable, even though he, you know, liked to rough and tumble with little boys or whatever. And and you know, I'm not, just carry on. I'm not having it. It hurts me. I like, I like Two Little Boys. Bollocks. Oh, Jesus Christ. And Stu Wells, if you clip up me saying the words, I'd like two little boys. I'm not. I'll sue. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, We've done a bit, haven't we? That's incredible. Um, Right. What's the next question? Um, I think that's all of them. 
did you, oh no uh, Steve says uh, does Ben want the rest of this bucket of paint to do the other side of the fence in damn angry orange uh, I mean it would probably be something that Rach would do and speaking of Rach she has asked I'd really like to know what's on the menu for tonight and should Ben cook no I yes. shouldn't cook because I've cooked every night this week sod off apart from maybe Tuesday I don't know uh, <laughs> Olivia says uh, what breed of dog should Jack let me have Shitsu. They're enough. a great dog. They're loyal. Get you don't want a big dog, right? I, I thought about this actually. I did think about this. Um, you don't want a big dog because they they take up a lot of room, uh, and and the bigger the dog, the more the likelihood is that they're going to smell, and that could make Jack go. I never wanted a bloody dog anyway. So you want a smaller dog. You don't want a handbag dog. You know one that looks like it should be in a cage with a wheel and drink out of a little water bottle because they're just pathetic. So you want what I call a medium sized dog shit. So just because I have one, that's that's by the by. Uh, you also want a dog. And it sounds like a ball ache, but you want a dog that needs grooming because a dog that needs grooming technically doesn't shed its hair. Don't get a dog that sheds its hair. Your house will smell revolting for the rest of your life. People will come to your house and when they go, they'll go, smell a bit doggy in there. Right? We don't have that because our dog doesn't molt. So you want a dog that doesn't molt, shih tzu. You want a dog that's loyal, shih tzu. So get a shih tzu. And they're also quite cute looking as well. Sometimes I look at Charlie and he looks a little bit like a teddy bear. And I just kind of think, oh, you're really cute. Not rather than like this. You don't get a dog that dribbles as well. My brother had a dog that oh, every time you went near it, it's slathering. You're like a great big thing, a slather coming out of his mouth. It rubs it on your jeans. You have to be polite. Oh, the dog slathered on my jeans. And you kind of go, oh, I see. That's not a problem. And inside you're thinking, get a smaller dog. <laughs> it doesn't slather. Is there anything else that I can, you know, is there anything else that I can poke Gary with to make? I'll him be honest, I'm quite, again. I'm quite pumped up actually, so I think we need to wrap it up. Maybe <laughs> Ben could edit out a couple of the swears because I'm aware that quite a few people listen to this now. I think Jay Wright, I had a conversation brief one over email with Jay Wright the other day, and he's like, "Oh, listen to the podcast." It's like, oh, should I really be swearing this much? <laughs> it's just, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm just not. I'm in it with with two little boys. It's just a good song. Okay, well, I'm going to stop the jokes then. Um, <laughs> Jake has just this second put a, a question. It says, which player from any division below would you like City to go all out for in the summer? Any division below? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't really paid a lot of attention to the divisions below, to be honest. Should we save that one for next week when we've actually had a chance to do uh, the re- research? I tell you what I do like. I like the right back, uh, um, Hartlepool. Okay. He was at Newcastle United um, for quite a few years. They released him, and he was holding out for a deal. Uh, I read an article on him as well the other week, so I've had, I had a look on his, his stats on my scout the other day, just out of interest. And um, yeah, I quite like the look of him, Jamie Sherry, Jay Sherry. Um, yeah, quite like him. There's a few. There's a few players in uh, League Two that I do like the look of. Um, one of them was, was actually at Grimsby, Jay Matetti, but I think he was on loan there from Fleetwood. Uh, I think he's a player that, uh, that could go on and do quite well. And I'm sure there's plenty of, uh, of forwards. Is that, uh, the, who's the boy at Exeter? Um, he's the one I'll go for. Ran, uh, I'm going to... You're going to hear clicking again because I can't remember his bloody name. Um, is it Randall Williams? Randall Williams, I think, at Exeter, and he's out of con. Yeah, that's him. He's out of contract, 24 years old, plays as a fullback or a winger. And uh, I think that he is leaving them this summer, I think, on a on a 
uh, free transfer. He was at Crystal Palace as a youngster. I like him. So there we go. Um, well, I I wouldn't know. Um, so that's your answer from me as well, I guess. And I think that's probably a good spot to wrap up for the week because I still have tears in my eyes from laughing at that impassioned defence. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week, I think probably, when we can have some proper playoff discussions. All right, up the imps. Up the imps. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.